Trigger warning, this episode contains conversations around suicide. If you're worried about your mental health or worried for somebody else, then please call the Samaritans number on 116 123 for free. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, This is the podcast which dives into the topic of mental health with me, Venus Libido. And me, Natalie Byrne. We're researching by collecting the conversations and attempting to give solutions. I'm Venus Libido and I'm with Natalie Byrne today and we both are illustrators who make work around social issues and we both have our own journeys and battles for mental health. Today we're going to be talking about suicide and our experiences and how we got through it. So we always start the show with some facts. Do you want to go first, Natalie? Sure. So I found that every two hours, someone dies by suicide. And that's over 6,000 deaths in the UK are as a result of someone taking their own life. It's the biggest killer in men, with over 80% of those deaths being men. And after I lost a friend in November 2018, uh, questions arose of why and what could we have done um, amongst me and my friends, um, along with um, guilt, pain and loss. And so I think suicide has affected um, my own life. And it's. Um, I hope this episode will talk about the extensive problem that suicide is mm. and aims to encourage people to be more vocal about not keeping things bottled up. There was a project by Calm called Project 84, which is a is a YouTube video which we'll put in our notes for this episode. It tells a story of eighty four men who lost their lives to suicide, um, and eighty four men take their own lives every week in the UK. Wow. And I watched it, and it's about the people, the family members, and the friends of the deceased. And there was a, a sculpture made by Mark Jenkins around around the around the project and it was just it was really sad it was really hard to watch um because I I think with like talking about suicide it's so important to not only talk about the person who it's affecting but the the people around that person as well Mm. which we I think we forget about a lot um because we're so focused on helping that person who is suffering with with like or attempting suicide, or who has attempted suicide, and then we forget, like, the effects it has on other people. 100%. And I also read something that said that um, if someone dies um, by... It's it's actually in Professor Green's documentary that I, I link at the end. Um, yeah. The He talked about if you know someone personally who took their own life, their immediate circle are also statistically more likely to try and take their own life as well yeah it's 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 hard isn't it and I know from my experience of trying to commit suicide like my the things that my family said to me about I don't know how I would have lived if you had gone Mm. and it didn't click it didn't click for me that I was actually hurting other people because all I cared about was not being here but I forgot about everybody else and that was just like a massive wake up call for me. Honor on a mission to give the world a shake one tampon at a time. They create 100% organic biodegradable tampons bespoke to the individual and delivered straight to your door. And they also make CBD oil. We have partnered up with ON to give our listeners a free box of tampons. Choose your tampon type, absorbency, range and quantity when you sign up via their website. Just head over to www.on.co and use the code TLC at checkout. ON was born out of a passion for women's health and so every month when you subscribe to ON, they donate 5% of revenue to the girls' programme run by the school club in Zambia. 
On tampons are the only tampons I use, not only because their branding and packaging is beautiful, but because I don't get cramps when I use on tampons, which goes to show what kind of effect these chemicals can have on our body. Grab yourself a free box now and you'll be so excited for your next period. That's O-H-N-E dot C-O and enter TLC at checkout for your free box. How has the topic of suicide or suicidal thoughts affected you and your life? It's been it's been a really long journey to like understanding why I got to where I got to. But I think now like the position I'm in now and the access I have to like just generally things on social media or the people around me is so much better than what it used to be. <clears throat> so it's, I guess I, you know, I still have my really bad days, um, but it's nowhere near as like every day I woke up and I didn't, I was like thinking about, I'm planning about taking my own life. So I think like the conversations that are being had are so beneficial um, to anyone that is like really thinking about it. When was the first time you started to feel like the cell was something going on? You know what? It's re- it's really it's a really weird thing when it comes to like my my journey with it because, like I mentioned in previous a previous um podcast that I my mental health started when I was really young but I never really understood it. Mm. And then the first time I tried to commit suicide, it was like a massive, it was like, it was really strange because it wasn't planned. It was just a really spur of the moment thing. Um, So I think like waking up in hospital and realising that what I had tried to do didn't go through that's when I like had a wake up call of like okay yeah something's actually really wrong Mm. but it was really strange because I think I just like suppressed it so much right up until that point that I I didn't realize that it was a there was a problem until I guess my my mind my mind just gave up completely my mind my body everything gave up at that one that one specific moment um so yeah so do you do you remember having like a thought about you know even just like thinking about death as a child or um feeling low? Yeah, I felt low all the time um growing up like I think the first the first time I really thought about death was probably like the first time I really got really drunk. Right. Um and having like um kind of like a numbness and the confidence to feel like I could go and do something that I wouldn't be able to do if I was sober Mm. so with both incidents so I've tried to take my own life twice and in both accounts I was extremely intoxicated and that's that so that's always been like an issue so I think the first time I really did think about like death and not being here was quite at quite a young age because I started drinking quite young like I said in previous episodes as well like I think I started drinking around the age of 13 mm. and I think that's when I thought about it really do you remember having conversations about mental health in general like was there any conversations at home regarding I don't know if someone that was a celebrity took their life and and what that was like in the house if you ever talked about anything there was there wasn't any this is I think this was the big issue Mm. um and why I did what I did because there was never any discussion about it I think I grew up in a house that was very loud very like full of life very energetic Mm. um always laugh like everybody's always laughing in my house it's you know people notice straight away if you're not if you're not having a good day so like 
it was it was never really something that was spoke about in my house. I didn't, you know, my parents didn't shelter me from seeing those kinds of things. Like I was allowed to watch the news. I was very, you know, aware of like what was going on in the media. But if something like that happened, I don't think there was ever a conversation about it because, you know, even like a couple of years ago when I did t- try to commit suicide, my my parents didn't understand why they didn't understand about what mental health really was it was so confusing for them Mm. and it was really difficult and it took a very very long time for them to to like comprehend what mental health was and how they could actually talk like even just talking about it was so difficult like they couldn't talk about it without crying Mm. um and there was we, we had to have like so many sessions together just with a third like with a professional so that we could sit and openly talk about the subject together because none of us could do it because like I said our house was so like full of joy all the time that this was so heartbreaking for them right um even like now like when I you know it's just really hard I think it's just really hard isn't it to as a parent to have those conversations with your child mm. but my I, I saw it really vividly with my dad because he has a disability right um growing up he was in a lot of pain and he was drinking a lot and I saw like his mental I like I saw him cry a lot because of pain and I saw him like say that on a couple of occasions that like, you know his pain is so bad he doesn't want to be alive um, how so I did see. It, how old were you oh, when gosh. he said it to you? Oh, I think I was at college. Right. I think I remember there was a time when. So I was sixteen. Yeah, there was a time where we lost everything. Like my dad was like hospitalized, and we lost our house, and we had to move and live in a council house. And he, I just remember him being in so much pain and like screaming and him saying I really don't want to be alive this hurts so much Mm. and yeah that was horrible I remember that being quite traumatic. Do you see like similarities with yourself and and your parents? Yeah I think definitely with my dad I mean because I'm going through like a similar thing in terms of like my disability it's the same as his I I like picked up on a lot of things that he's done in terms of like medicine doesn't really help either of us so we drink a lot in the evening to help us sleep which is is obviously an issue and has led to what I ended up doing to myself because I had the confidence because I was intoxicated so much that I just went ahead and did it but yeah I I guess I have like kind of followed in my dad's footsteps in the sense that you know, I've turned to, like, substance abuse to almost heal my pain. Mm. I think that's an interesting thing to touch on because I think, well, a lot of my, like, issues with my mental health when I was a teenager, I really felt like when I looked into my future, I didn't see positivity because I think I just yeah. saw, like, the adults around me being so unhappy. Oh, okay. And so that's why I'm interested into like, and asking those questions because I I think there's I don't know I I it's interesting that you see similarities there and yeah and stuff. Do you see it with your with your parents? Do you see the similarities? Oh yeah, and I they they deal with kind of emotions not in a healthy way and yeah, um, that's a massive issue with a lot of families, isn't it? Is yeah. I see it all the time, all the time, like, all my friends, I see it with their, them and their parents, like, the relationship they have with, like, just showing emotion is so unhealthy. And that's why I think things like this is, is so positive, because when you, you, you can only be something that I think you can see. Yeah, of course. And of so course. when I started to look at people who were successful and still, you know, had their issues it was like oh my goodness you can still achieve your dreams and have this rather than yeah I saw with my parents it was like well I can't do that because I have this or something 
Yeah, I think that's the beauty of as well as like with our generation, and this is like exactly what happened with me is I thought because we'd lost everything as a family, mm. and my mental health was restricting me so much, I thought I could never be or do anything I wanted to do, mm. and then when Instagram like kind of blew up and I saw oh wow like there are people out there who are similar to me and they are doing really well and they're becoming successful I really realized that I could do it yeah so I totally understand where you're coming from when you say that you know celebrity influence like seeing people like you know Stephen Fry and um Professor Green like these people just like really thriving although they have this this debilitating thing and darkness inside them as well yeah is there a particular event from your childhood that kind of stands out in your mind when it comes to anything regarding mental health like the main one was like I didn't have any grandparents growing up Mm. um, on either side of the family Um, so it was just my mum like trying to you know look after my dad who was in a lot of pain and then three young children um and what like going from a family who had everything to then having like nothing I guess like was really hard because it was like you're at an age where you you physically can't do anything because you're 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 a child um and although I I never really thought that that affected me really like now I'm an adult and I I understand that that probably was a huge factor on my mental health what do you think just like wanting to help but not really knowing like as a child not being able to yeah it's it's a really hard thing to sit back and watch your parents struggle yeah um and there's nothing you can do to to help or like not even like knowing the right thing to say I guess it's really difficult yeah oh I'm like I feel you sound like crying already um, <laughs> but my, we also lost the house yeah and so it's like you're saying things and I'm like literally every time I speak to you I feel like there's more similarities between us oh no really it's the same thing with my mother's like really has multiple jobs and um yeah yeah um it's just really it just sucks it really does suck and what I think for me like I what I find really hard just generally in life is like watching a family who has worked so hard to get where they where they wanted to get and have like security and have a house and just like little things like being able to put food in the fridge every week um and then have it all ripped away from you because like your body failing you or like just something I don't know something else failing um because like out of no fault of your own I think that's just like so difficult do you know what this is gonna I don't know this is probably gonna be hard for me to say but I'm gonna try and do it um um, because I remember having this conversation with my mum and my dad with my therapist and they and they said try and describe it to your parents and I just remember them like we were just crying so much but for me I said to them I said to them when I came out of the hospital the first time that for me like the hours before well, the hours like leading up to trying to like plan to then deciding to do it it was it was a sense of relief Mm. so there was I wasn't scared I wasn't worried I felt I felt like I knew what I wanted I knew that leaving this earth was what I wanted and I was really content with that thought I was really I've heard about that before about how like people feel like they're free yeah free I felt and then like um because the way I went about trying to take my own life was through overdose and there was something quite yeah freeing about it that 
I had made a decision and like doing it I felt really happy I actually felt very I felt happy that I knew that everything that was troubling me in my life the thoughts the voices it was all gonna just go away it was a massive like relief it was like a massive weight was being lift off like as I was as I was going and yeah it just it's really it's not a nice thing to say and I'm sure people don't like to hear it but that that's that's basically how I felt. And I was that was really was when you decided. Yeah. When before you had decided and you were kind of living in, in with the voices and yeah, what was, what was that like? It was horrible. Like I, I just couldn't. I couldn't live like with my own body. Like I couldn't live with the thoughts. I couldn't. I found it so hard to focus on anything other than like just what was what I was telling myself every day in my head like you, you know what's the point in being here why do you want to be alive everything's shit you're shit <laughs> like all these horrible things like constantly 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 like as soon as I wake up in the morning and then as to as soon as I go to sleep like it's horrible and it was it's hard because I can remember I remember parts of feeling so so horrendous but I think I've tried to like block it out so much now because I am in a better place that I think I'm slowly forgetting yeah in a sense which is obviously a positive but then when I try and like talk about it it's like I'm 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 trying to forget it so much that it's really hard to bring it back up to the surface but it just felt like no one it felt like nobody was ever going to understand it and it was never going to go away. Was it hard to keep it like a secret? Like, because you didn't, I know that you've spoken before in the previous episodes that you didn't really open up to anyone about from like a friend of yours. Was it mm. difficult carrying that around? Yeah, it was. I felt so lonely. Um, I felt like. But do you think that you, did you, did you think if you told anyone that they would hate you? Like, what, did you think they would? No, I thought they'd put me in a mental institution. Like, I thought I would generally, like, what you see on, like, films, I thought I'd be put away. Like, that, I, mm. that generally was what was going through my head. I was so scared of, like, because I didn't know if it was normal. Yeah. I, I, if I thought if I told somebody what I was thinking, that... I would, like the first time I ever said anything like after the first time I tried to take my own life when I first said to like my mum and dad like I can hear voices in my head telling me to do things I generally was terrified I thought they were going to be like well this is not normal you need to like be put away <laughs> like I generally mm. thought that was going to happen to me yeah but there's a lot of I've heard um that that keeps a lot of people silent, and I think because there aren't stories of of people talking about it. When I know that you went to university, what was um, what was that like, and how was it different from your experience with mental health at school? I think um, because when I went to uni, I was finally doing something that I enjoyed and like waking up every day and going into uni and being able to like create and have a form of release was so like I was in a much better place that was sculpture Um, wasn't it yeah so like creating work and art was a great form of release for me that I didn't I wasn't able to have at school so I guess like for those like three years of studying my mental health was actually manageable that's good. Um, were you? Yeah. What were you moving? Did you move out of your parents? No, I I did it for a year and I really struggled. So mm. I I went back home and went to a, I moved to a different uni after the second year because I just couldn't do it. It's hard to like because that's a lot of diagnoses happen in early twenties when people go to university and they're like overwhelmed with the work and and looking after yourself and washing yeah. and and then the tense um like the intense relationships of living with people and friendships and drinking a lot it's yeah 
it's when I got my um, diagnosis in my early twenties, and it's really, it's really common. Yeah, I guess like the the pressures of everything becomes a reality, <laughs> and yeah, it's. I think it's really interesting to like delve into when when people get diagnosed with it mm. because it's so I you know it's very different for everybody and I think it's like I don't know where I'm going with this but <laughs> um when you yeah. moved when you moved home where in the in in where was that with your was that did you talk about your mental health with your parents is that why you moved did you say like I'm moving home because I I'm struggling or no I just said I was moving home because I didn't like it I didn't tell them yeah so that was before you when did you when was your first attempt um was it when you were at uni no 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 it's when I was living in London and working um and me and my partner were living together I think I must have been 25, yeah. Right. Yeah, 25. So you you finished uni, you were living with your parents and then moved to London, started working. And uh, what was that transition like, moving from your parents up to London to like, you know, hustle and bustle, the rat race? honestly like at first I was so excited because I'd been given like a really amazing job that I wanted and I thought wow yeah okay I'm finally like gonna make it and what I want to do so I was so excited and like me and my partner have been together since college so like living together was really exciting um but that like that dream slowly like got like dismantled by the pressures and the expectations and bills and um also, responsibility you've also mentioned that your working experience wasn't in entirely positive no yeah so like every job I had after leaving uni um I formed some form of like inequality whether that be like harassment or not receiving equal pay um and like I've always been really like out, an outspoken person when it comes to like you know being honest about like what's going on in the workplace and I don't think a lot of my bosses really liked that (laughs) so I would always stand up for myself or I would always like make a comment on whether I wasn't getting paid right and yeah just it's so horrible like I think that really didn't help do you feel like because you've talked about how your bullying experience was was that your first attempt um like caused your first attempt with suicide the bullying yeah no that was the second second. yeah the first one I was working as a nanny right um and I was caring for four children and this was in London and um I don't really remember I think it was just like a build-up I can't even remember now, but it was a, just a build up, and I I know I'd been out um, that night drinking with some other like nannies, and I just remember my partner was out for the evening with some friends, and I just went home early and knew he wasn't going to be there, and just decided to take some pills. But I think, like, the stresses of that job of, like, being a nanny and caring for, like, four children at such a young age was not was not a good move, basically. So it's, it's interesting because it's almost like labour pains that, like, mm. you, pe- people say that they kind of forget um, because they forget how painful the experience was. When yeah. you, like, woke up in hospital what was going through your mind do you remember uh I think I was annoyed that it hadn't worked yeah like firstly like I was annoyed that I'd woken up and I was like still alive um 
yeah, I think that was the main thing for like the first couple of weeks actually. I was just angry at myself. And also like the first time round I had like no I had no like emotions towards anybody. Like I I didn't feel guilty about doing it. Like I was actually just like I just wanted to be left alone. Um but it wasn't till like the second time round that I realized what how like much of an effect this was on the rest of my family and my partner and that it was I was just like this wasn't I couldn't keep doing this to them. It's almost like your like it the second time your heart was like um like warmer I guess or more open. Yeah. Um yeah. And I do think that there's a level of like self protection that your body kind of goes in when it goes through some things where it's like it does create like a numbness I feel to to protect you in that moment I guess um yeah what do you think was the catalyst with you kind of seeing uh (laughs) I don't want to use like the cheesiest word ever but like seeing the light or like more positivity and and wanting to I don't know try I guess what do you think was the catalyst I think it was my brothers um so I've got two younger brothers and yeah I think just realizing oh try not to cry I'm crying (laughs) I'm crying don't worry (laughs) like realizing that I didn't it wasn't gonna be fair on them to let them grow up without a sister Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's lovely. I think it's like, it's, I know it's like hard, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it's, this is re- really, um, like, it's good to talk about and to let our listeners, like, in yeah. to all of this. Um, yeah, I think I'm just really glad that I'm at a point in my life now where I can talk about this because like year like for like a year or two after trying to take my own life I couldn't speak like I had it was like it was like the voices in my head were like trapping my throat and my thoughts and I couldn't talk about it so I'm I'm just really happy and I'm I, I feel so grateful now that I'm at a position where I can talk about it so that other people who might be going through this right now can listen and know that it's okay to talk about it because it will save your life. What do you think changed from you not talking to being able to talk? Oh, God, it was such a long journey. Like, honestly, years, years and years of, like, work and therapy. And um, I think doing Venus Libido, honestly, was the starting point of me being able to express everything so like when I started it I was drawing all the things that I was drawing was what I was feeling Mm. and that that sparked conversations I guess with me and my family and my friends so yeah just having like that as a way of communication is probably what started it so it's like a a way of communicating that isn't with words yeah yeah what was it I think that's the biggest thing isn't it with mental health is like having the right words to yeah 
What was your, when you just started, what was the experience of like doing your first drawing and showing it to someone like, was that scary? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when I first started doing it and I was showing my mom, she was like, you can't draw this sort of thing. You can't be posting this online. <laughs> what are people, what are people going to think about you? And I was just like, I had to like explain to her that it was actually really helpful for me. But I just remember her being really scared. She was like, just really worried for me. Mm. Um, but yeah. Did it make <laughs> so glad her... I stuck at it. <laughs> yeah, did it make her kind of understand you more, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Does it, does yours do the same? Like, do your parents look at your work? <laughs> no. No. They not? <laughs> really? No, no, no. no we No. <laughs> they must do. They That's must be, like... Some stuff. Stuff's they're allowed to see. But at the beginning... Do they it not was... have Instagram? No. See, my parents have Instagram, like, I cannot physically stop them. Yeah. It's... in, Yeah. I just... I have my own support system, and that's what I feel is really, really helpful. Mm. Um, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, like, finding things... Like, uh, I know for me, like, when I... Uh, like, to, to move forward in terms of, like, support without getting other people involved... I was told to make, like, a safety plan. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever, been, like, you were told to do that by a therapist. I've heard about this. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> um, I try and remember, but um, it was basically creating your own safety plan, and I made it with my therapist, and then she had a copy, and then she'd give people that I wanted to have a copy a copy, and it was basically when you notice the signs of like okay I want to commit suicide you'd have like a bullet point structure of what to do Mm. and it was really handy to for me because of like communicating with my parents was so hard that for them to like I put down like okay this is what you should be looking out for with me and if you see this happening here is the safety plan instead of like verbally being like mom I don't feel okay today I'm gonna I want to commit suicide because you don't do that. That's not something you do. Mm. And having that in place really helped. I had a friend who said that he had like um like colours. Right. So he could be like a code, I don't know, orange. Oh, okay. It's yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what to That's, do. With yeah, each that was code. pretty much the safety plan. Yeah. So like if you were green and then orange and then red. Mm. Um and like mine was little things like if I'm not talking, if I, if I haven't spoke to you today, or, like, if you notice I'm really angry or moody, then that's, like, that's green going on to orange. But that's interesting um, that you say that not talking, because I feel like in another episode, you talked about how it was quite easy in your school to kind of get blurred into the background. and Yeah. Do you feel like you do that when you don't feel good that you kind of just stay quiet oh yeah I isolate myself like so much I would honestly just shut myself away and not speak to anybody but I'd like that used to be a really big issue in my house with my parents they'd be like you always sit in your room you don't come and sit with us as a family um and I I had to end up saying to them like when I did the safety plan I said that's that's what I need to do to be okay I need to be left alone Hmm. Um, so like my therapist like would come to my I had like um, it was like a, an emergency like therapist person that you got from the HS and anyone who tries to commit suicide gets it for like three or four weeks it's okay. like someone who comes to your house um, and they come to your house like as much as you need them to come to your house for like three or four weeks and they'll like write your safety plan with you and just make sure you're okay um, basically just checking up on you that you're not going to do it again and yeah, that was something that my, like, therapist had to, like... I told her, I was like, can you please tell this to my parents because I can't say it to them. And, like, my parents just didn't get it. They were just like, we just don't want you to be up in your room. We want you to be with us. And they didn't understand that, that that's what I needed. Like, because you're quite introverted, aren't you? Yeah, so I definitely, like, would say to anybody, just, like, write a safety plan and just stick it up on the fridge or something. Mm. And just say, look, Mum this explains, mum and dad or whoever, this explains 
this explains it all so you don't, we don't have to have the conversation that I, I, I can't have with you or something. Yeah. Do you know what your? Do you remember what what was in your safety plan? Yeah, mine was like um, I can't remember all of it, but mine. So my safety plan was um, that my parents had to lock away um, any drugs and alcohol. Mm. So that was the first on the safety plan was to have all of that locked away so that I didn't have any access to it in the house, and. It was also about being in my room, that when I'm in my room I need to be left alone but be checked on. Mm. Um, And then it was, yeah, then it was like just steps for myself when I felt like something was going to happen. So it was like, for me, it's getting in the shower and like calming down. Um, Just just little things, really. But the priority was like making possible like any means to suicide wasn't available yeah it's also a good, nice way of like if if I just like the idea of like being sat on the table and that my friend was like or calling a friend and being like I'm in red and he said that he would just have a like a close friend come over and just not even talk just play video games yeah and just having like a strategy in place that's like when I feel like this, I have a set, pre-planned plan that I don't even have to think about. Exactly. Um, I just find that... I think that's so key. Yeah. What, um, what, what other ways do you, did the NHS help? Um, that was it. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the second time when I came up of hospital, I went to see this guy um so I came back home and the I went to the local mental health NHS facility where I live and I saw a therapist and he was like I'm going to be totally honest with you I understand what you're going through and I realize you've just tried to take your own life but we really cannot offer you any help because we're so stretched mm. and my parents were just like gobsmacked and I was like yes mum this is the reality of it like this is what I was having to deal with when I was living in London was no help. I didn't. I tried to seek like professional help by myself, but there was waiting lists of like months and months, and it's like no different anywhere else. And that's when I realised like I just had to like sort myself out. Mm. You know, I I could, I just knew I couldn't always rely on like a therapist being there. That's really sad. Yeah. It's sad and, you know, it's kind of like just... Because the reality of that is so scary. Yeah. Because the, you know, the just the impact of of the NHS cuts and and it's just terrifying. Yeah. Yep, it is. Have you ever tried any medication in your experience yeah I've been on lots of different like medication um none of them really work in terms of like stabilizing my mood but I'm on one at the moment now that just helps me sleep right so I take it before I before uh, before bed and then like I'm, I'm gone I kind of have a really good night's sleep which was something that I was really struggling with because I wasn't sleeping because of my back pain mm. and then because I wasn't sleeping and because I was in pain and because I was tired my mental health was like even worse yeah so just like fixing that has helped like just having a good sleeping pattern that's really good um, is that is yeah is that a, a medication that's for mental health or is it just for sleep no it's for mental health that's but great. it's so strong it's so it's such a strong like relaxant that it make it literally knocks me out that's good I think it's important to talk because like medication is such I think feel like it's not as touchy anymore but I feel like it used to be quite a touchy subject but I know so many people that it's saved their life yeah and yeah um yeah I think it's such uh I love it hearing about when people are open and honest because I think it's I, I I think I still hear about people you know 
being feeling like oh I'm strong enough I don't need or or you know being really feeling oh yeah like terrified totally. about taking medication but I think it's yeah if it I was like that I was I was like oh I don't need it it's not going to do anything that was my mentality around um having medic medication as a solution because I went for so many years with back pain and no medication ever doing anything. So I thought that would be the same case with my mental health. Mm. I had such a negative, like, connotation around it. And finding, like, just trying and trying and trying to find something that works for you, I really do recommend because, it like, even if you don't think it's having an impact, other people can tell you that it is. So, like, I don't think that this medication does anything for my mood, but... If I say that to my family and my partner, they're like, no, we've noticed such a big difference with you being on this medication. Yeah, and sleep is so important. Like, sleep is, for me, such a big catalyst And when I feel really anxious. It's usually because I'm not getting enough sleep. So, yeah, yeah, sleep is so important. And I can completely see how, if you're not sleeping well and you're in pain at night, that that's going to have an effect on anyone's mental health. Yeah, yeah. But you, we were we were talking earlier, weren't we? When before doing this, that your when you were on the pill, that's when you mm. were struggling in terms of like suicidal thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I already had a low mood and I already had depression, and yeah, um, I went on the pill. It was about fifteen, and yeah, like overnight. I think I, you know, it's it. I've ex. I also think that. Um, I also had elements of depersonalization when I was on the pill, and I've go- I've really? read articles about the about that. That's quite a com- like that's that's a thing that happens. Um, but no one likes was like if you're depressed, you probably shouldn't be taking this. And overnight, I just started having a lot of suicidal thoughts, and um, that's why I don't take the pill. Um, oh, okay, I was gonna say, are you still on it or trying yeah. a different? Did you like try multiple different makes mm-hmm. and it still did the same thing? Yeah, when I was fifteen, and then when I was seventeen, literally the ha- same thing happened again. We tried really to go on like a different one that was basically going to see if the coil was going to work for me, and then yeah. overnight it was like so. It was like honestly awful. I don't even know how I like didn't because. Yeah, I yeah. just, just. There is like a, I remember like when on my mental health like kicked up. My mum was like doing lots of research for me, mm. and she's like, you know, like the pill has an effect on your mental health, and like I didn't even know that. Like I wasn't even aware of that being a thing. I didn't. I didn't know it until, well, because I, basically, what happened was is that I stopped taking the pill at fifteen because I like went so, like, out of my basically I just I became almost like a different person I remember and uh, then ended up like causing my relationship to end and so stopped taking it and then like literally overnight I was like oh (laughs) I'm back to me again oh really yeah yeah and then that's when I knew I was like wow okay so that because I didn't know what the words were for it I didn't know what depersonalization was I just felt like I was just in a dream and in a haze I felt yeah. disconnected from my body and yeah. um, then I had, my mum had been like, you know, looking at all these different options and we've been trying all these options. Um, and then when I was 17, they were like, this is to, basically, I wanted to get the coil and they gave me a pill that was going to make it feel like I was going to have the coil to see if the coil was right for me. Okay. And the same thing happened again. Um, wasn't as bad but it was um, yeah it was was quite like um, just felt completely detached from myself and and like a a little bit of a a breakdown happened (laughs) Um, oh god but it's so strange isn't it that mm, it, it messes with you that much yeah Hormones. (laughs) Hormones. <laughs> what would you say to someone right now who is having suicidal thoughts or contemplating suicide? Um, I think 
write it down, like write down everything. Every if you can write it down, why you don't want to be here, what you're planning on doing, the the route you're planning on taking, write it down. Give it to somebody you trust. Um, if you can't say it, if you can say it, tell someone. Um, you know, your life is worth living. Your like you, you know, you don't. It's not. I don't know. It's hard because for me, like I had to, like the second time around, so many people say things to me, um, and none of it stuck. Uh, or none of it mattered so it's really hard when you know you're at that point of like no return um but I definitely recommend writing it down and, and giving it to somebody and or just calling like the Samaritans number like calling somebody that you don't know um to get it off your chest but just like be just like look after yourself and care for your body and listen to what it needs and if you need to, if you're in a position where, like, everything's getting too much, remove yourself from it. Um, I think that was why mine got so bad, is I let it build up and I didn't give myself a break. And, yeah, just allow yourself, like, time off to, like, just, even, like, just to go be alone for, like, a couple of days. Like, I think it's so important to, like, just listen to yourself and collect your thoughts and rationalise everything in a in a way that isn't under pressure or stress. But yeah, I think that's probably what I would say. That's lovely. Well thank you for sharing your story and thank you. I'm really happy that you um are alive and that thank we're you. friends and that you're here sharing your story. Aww. It's gonna be really, really helpful to a lot of Thanks, people. Nat. Love you. <laughs> oh gosh. No, I've never heard I, you I, say gosh before. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear so much. That's what's happening. <laughs> Listening back to my other ones, I was like, okay, I swear way too much. I need to cut that out. <laughs> going to end this episode on some takeaways for you that you can go away and uh, watch or listen to or just uh, find on the internet uh, that we've both found really helpful when we've been in a bad place so I have yes. three things I have mm -hmm. uh, Professor Green's documentary that I mentioned before yeah, um, it's great. Yeah, it's good, is it? He, uh, his dad committed suicide, and his documentary is kind of him discovering all the parts of the story that he doesn't know, and it's it's really well put together. And um, I think that Professor Green is also a great advocate for um, mental health, particularly with suicide. Um, so yeah. definitely look into him. The yeah. Girls Talk episode, they've done uh, an episode about mental health, which Professor Green was like on with a bunch of other people who are amazing um, as well. That's a really good um, podcast episode. And then I also have Anna Akana. Have you heard about her? No, I haven't. So she is an American YouTuber. Right. And her... Um, she does, her videos are kind of like a bit of comedy, but also very insightful and what, and um, she kind of does like how-tos or like what to do when you feel like your life's a mess and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but it's quite funny and, and it's really, I love her channel. Um, and she did a video quite a while ago maybe 2012 or something oh okay quite a long time ago yeah um she's been very open about her sister committing suicide when she was about 15 due to bullying and oh god um 
she kind of made a video because she gets a lot of questions of people who are contemplating suicide that reach out to her and this video is like a such a heartbreaking um video of her her just kind of sat on the bed with a water Mm. bottle talking to the camera just talking to people and it's called please don't kill yourself okay and i'd really encourage anyone who is contemplating suicide to watch that video because you know i think that it's it's like it's hard i guess because i i completely understand that mental health struggles can be so exhausting to carry um and then also being affected by suicide in my life it's kind of like seeing two sides of the coin now which is like when someone dies by suicide it is such a different way of dealing with grief than when someone just kind of dies because you I don't know she goes into it further and I think that she talks a lot about how like um the aftermath of what happens when um someone takes their own life and um such Mm. a a moving video and um yeah I'd encourage anyone struggling to watch that cool I'm gonna go watch that I don't know (laughs) send me a photo when you feel like a crying selfie because you can't watch (laughs) that video without crying okay um I'd love to hear yours yeah so mine is I recently found her this week I don't know why I haven't come across her before um Judy Love Oh, I don't know and her. she's she's a comedian. Um, she's a BBC presenter, and she's like laughter is healing kind of thing. But she just makes me laugh. Um, and she she does these like Monday motivational videos on her Instagram, and they just make me laugh so much. Um, yeah, she's a great one. I definitely recommend going and like checking her out on Instagram. And again, like my thing is like bringing light and comedy and laughter to like really difficult topics so that's why I really like her Mm. um and I recently well you sent me this the other day didn't you is the uh six sad girls club yeah so they basically um are sharing people's uh stories on instagram about girls who feel sad or are sick and so I reached out to them and told them my story about my disability which I I feel really good about like I, I felt like it really helped um and I hopefully will when they post it you know help other people um that's so great. yeah that's something I've really enjoyed uh like being a part of this week and then I also put the the calm project 84 i Mm. there's like a little um youtube video about it and i just think it's really like moving and i i recommend people go and watch it um yeah again it's just like a video about um 84 men in the uk who took their lives and it's their family members and friends talking about like um the support and some workshops that they were a part of to help go when they were going through like the bereavement of it so yeah I think that's my that's my top three that's great we'll link all of those in the show notes so you can find them yes thank you for listening um to the loneliness collaboration podcast today we hope that everyone has a has a lovely rest of their day and watch out for our next episode on self-harm where natalie will be talking about her experiences with self-harm <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> just like can't and the way that i deal with it it's just like being ridiculous <laughs> I guess. yeah that's, that's absolutely fine <laughs> for our podcast you can follow them on instagram now at weird underscore is as they travel the world in their van making music and living the dream
This podcast was produced, written and edited by Venus Libido and Natalie Byrne. If you're worried about your mental health or worried for somebody else, then please call the Samaritans number on 116123 for free. I'm right here, say what you wanna say.